Stu Brower. Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. Sean Pastouche, thank you for having me, my friend. It's my pleasure, man. It's uh, Last time you were on, you still owned a gym. Mm-hmm. Now you don't. Do not. Let's own a, a, a building in which there's uh, beer will flow like wine, and the barbecue will flock like the women of the Capistrano or whatever the fucking that Dumb and Dumber quote is. Quite but literally. That's about it. Quite yeah, literally, literally, right? So, wait, did <laughs> yes. you barbecue there now, too? Yes. Yeah, so that's their big thing, is they've got a really good barbecue, apparently. I've not, never tasted it, but... Um, Apparently it's gonna be it's gonna be the bomb. When so. do they open? Late October. Late October. So okay. I'm gonna throw a big party there once they do for all the members of Urban Movement, mm-hmm. um, and uh, get everyone back together and do something cool like that. But yeah, so looking forward to that. So for people who don't know, Stu used to own a fitness concept called Urban Movement, and then made a real estate play back in what was it, 2018. Bought the building in 2016, 16. and then yeah, and then just during COVID, it allowed me to see that the market was willing to offer a really high rate of a higher fair market value rate to rent my building. Um, and when that number hit a uh, you know a monthly amount for me that I would never be able to take home free and clear, you know, after tax, all that stuff like the mm-hmm. Redwood, um, it was a tough, but it was a, a, a smart decision to go ahead and then quote unquote retire gym ownership. Well, let's talk about that for a second because you sure. caught a lot of crap for it. You caught oh, yeah. the, all, all the trolls who were like, why mm-hmm. would anybody listen to the guy who's gymming out of business? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I want to share with the audience before we go any further. Um, I was down at your space in what? I think it was 18. It was, it was like April when or March. Our, when we did our PT thing. Yeah. We did like PT sales. Yeah. 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 And you walked me through it and talked about the plan to exit the space. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was a part of your plan back in 2018. Yeah, so it just realized way sooner than I probably because I I thought 2026 was the bare minimum. It is just through the terms of the SBA. The SBA wants you to keep your your lease the 10 years uh, a 10 year lease on the building. So 2026 would have been 10 years for me in that building so, as a tenant. And and if I understand correctly, with the SBA loan that you got to buy the building, you must have had to have finagled something to get out of it. I did. So what? Uh, it's it's pretty simple, actually. It's just called technical default. And what it just means is the SBA is like, yo, bro, you can't lease your building to someone else. That makes you an investor. It doesn't make you a small business operator operating in a building that we helped you buy. And you're like, oh, yeah, that sucks. What do we do about that? And they're like, well... <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, technically you go into the well, you go into this thing called technical default. We will never give you any more SBA money. You can't apply for anything additionally um, until you buy us out of until you completely buy us out of our loan. And then once you bought us paid us back on it, you now have a fresh clean sheet. And I could like I could go do another SBA five uh loan right now. Let's say I wanted to buy a building and the only way I could afford it, I couldn't do traditional, I didn't have the 30% down. I could go do another 504 through the SBA today, put an urban movement in it. And that's when again, where people are like, well, did he sell? I was like, no, no, no. I just kept all that IP. Who knows when I, who knows when I'm going to need it again, right? To pop something back up. Um, but uh, you just go into technical default. So I, in the, my, I went to the bank because that's be real quick for everyone is 50% traditional bank gives, puts in 50% of the money. A CDC, a certified development company through the SBA, guaranteed by the SBA, puts in 40% of the money. And then you put in 10. So I just had the 50% the bank buy out. 40% of the SBA's position. And the bank was more than happy to buy it to have the, you know, the 90% position. Right. So, so to be clear, it was basically the SBA was bought out of their loan by a bank and you now have your hundred percent of your loan is through that bank who gave you 90% Correct. of the value of the building. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, so are you now free and clear with the SBA then? 
yeah, Frio was super. Yeah, we we're we're dope. We're friends. We're good. They're <laughs> they're happy. And the great thing is, is they were cool with me. Let's say I never had that bank buy them out. I just wouldn't have been able to get another SBA five hundred four product. Right. Right. Um, which was cool because I got my EIDL money before they realized that I was going into technical default. Otherwise, I would have never been able to get EIDL money either. So timing is everything. That's why kids like when you do this stuff, research your ass off and what are understand. You, what are you doing with EIDL loan? Uh, WTF, they gave this, they gave like WTF Gym Talk, my consulting, the media handle, they gave, uh, they gave me way more money. The, my ESC Fitness, which is my legal LLC for the gym, no EIDL money. Mm-hmm. Minus the, the grant, the $10,000 that we all got. I got PPP, but I couldn't get any money for the gym because I didn't have enough revenue drop. We did really well during mm-hmm. COVID. I lost 3% of customers. We maintained, we did very well. Like it, all things considered, we didn't grow we just didn't lose. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, so I couldn't get EIDL money but for, what you, for the gym. But what are you using the EIDL money for? That's a loan. It, it is a loan. I, uh, there's a good video. Go ahead and YouTube it, kids. It's called, um, oh, what do I call it? It's like uh, how to use your EIDL money for personal wealth. And um, I talked with my accountant and colleague, John Briggs, over at Insight Tax. And he walked me through the exact tax strategy we would need in order to utilize EIDL funds for my personal wealth strategies. That could be investments in the stock market. It could be another real estate play. It could be whatever. And go ahead. So effectively taking the EIDL money, which is a 3.75% interest rate correct, and finding ways to legally invest it that Uh will provide you a greater than 3.75% interest return. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, sir. Nice. Yeah. And so I, then I talked to John about it and he made a video doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my videos are probably just slightly more entertaining than, than John's. So oh, I'm like, John, I'm going no <laughs> to make a video on this too. And he was, John was phenomenal about it by far. Uh, my favorite business professional I work with to him and his firm all day, every day. Uh, so, but he, he really, he helped me out with that and that's what I'm doing. So I'm sitting on that, I'm sitting on that money doing things with it. And, um, because never in our life we we ever get that up. Never will we get that money like we did in COVID. That was a once in a lifetime deal, dude. That that was a um, that was the additional cash reserve that we needed to open this space. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was funny because I looked at WTF Gym Talk when they gave it to me there. I was like, well, I, it made sense because I had significant revenue loss in 2020. I didn't think of it like that though. Like I was like, because I had done a vibe and traveling, I had done the self-made summit. I had all these like event based revenue, you know, that I didn't have, that wasn't going to show up. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just didn't even think of it. I'm like, man, 2019 was awesome. I killed it. And then I realized like, Oh wait, that means it looks like I didn't kill it in 2020 when all my right, the regular income, like all my consulting actually went up. I did more money in consulting work but I didn't have the events mm-hmm. like self made summit. I cleared 60 grand on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like those speaking events, you know how they are. You go for a weekend, you, you know, you, you walk out, you made five to 10 grand for the weekend, depending on how many people showed up or whatever it may be all that gone. And I, I didn't even think about like, Oh, this is going to look, this looks bad. I've, I've lost way over 30%. I think that was the, the Delta is you had to show a 30% drop in any one quarter for EID. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I don't really. Um, I, I think don't, that was. I think that was the ground basis. You had to be somewhere around there for the. Yeah, or maybe it's for the set. Maybe it's for the second dip. I remember there was like a thirty percent delta that they wanted to see between any quarter. Show me quarter in twenty twenty. Show me a quarter in twenty nineteen. 
And you see a 30% delta. I don't remember what the qualification was for us because we wouldn't have been able to show that. But either way, and, you're right. It yeah. was it was a um, <clears throat> it was a an interesting time to be able to yep. grab cash and use it for something. Hundred percent. And even if even even if you just paid a three point seven on it, it for me personally, it's kind of nice having like I think I have one hundred and forty seven. I stayed right under one fifty, mm-hmm. so I got like one hundred forty seven. Like like oh shit money. Yeah. Let's say I don't do anything. Like just like just a nice nest egg, knowing that yes, yeah, sure, I'm gonna be paying on it. But like it's if it's not messing with your opex, you know, portion of your your business, I'm just like this is so nice to be have this luxury right now. Again, the, it's very lucky. The WTF low interest loan. That's right. That's 100 percent right, man. I don't know what I want to talk about. COVID was dope. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, <clears throat> besides being friends with you. And, and just enjoying the conversation is I recently had a conversation with someone who asked me, they're like, yeah, so I work with this other mentor. And if I sign up with your company, I feel like I, I probably wouldn't need them. Is that true? And they weren't talking about you. I won't name the company. I don't need to do that. Uh, and I said, yeah, absolutely. There's been many people who've come to us from that company who we've, we've seen people keep their mentor for a few months and then just cause they feel bad about letting them go. And then yeah, that's the end of it. There's no use for it. I said, there's really only one other person who we work with who does anything similar to what we do, who we regularly share clients with. And there's a benefit to being with both of us. And that's you, right? I mean, we have, um, I know for sure David Rubin works with you. I know for sure. Britt Sean. Burnham. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, we were, I mean, uh, yeah, we've, I've been fortunate if we've been, whether it's in my copywriting arm, like the, some of the copywriting stuff or actual, actual business consulting work. Um, yeah, we've, you've been fortunate to work with a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I like that. It's like, I like knowing, especially when they are switching over to an, a, a pro path mm-hmm. position. Right. Um, knowing going knowing you and i mean you and me have i've had the benefit of being friends with you for, for so long now that i've like i've been able to kind of see your model and how you do this with some of these guys change just from our conversations as business owners together so it's like it's always nice knowing when someone's in your camp and they're going down that route all right well at least you've got you're in the right you got you got the right people in your corner dude you know 100 i'm not the guy to help you install propath i didn't create propath i don't know what that like i that's not me however there are some nuanced business stuff that you have problems with i can help you solve along the way and um i definitely can align myself with the the vision and mission that they're going after and becoming one of your propath gyms so it's uh, yeah, I always enjoy those projects. Well, the thing that I find value in is the the ability. Like we have, so within ProPath, if you're a gym owner listening to this, we have curriculum that is for the gym owner. And we have curriculum that is for the staff, and we have mentors for the gym owner. And we have mentors for the staff when they're in it, and we can accommodate for little wrinkles. What you're able to do really well is provide spontaneous, like what seems to them. I know that it's not spontaneous for you because these are things that, you know, I had a conversation with someone earlier today. I said, this is your idea. So we need your input. And he's like, well, the idea doesn't have any value. I said, no, but the time you spent leading up to pre- presenting the idea that made the idea realistic, it makes your input valuable. And that's what I feel like you're able to do for our clients in terms of you're able to say, why don't you try doing a pop-up right now? Why don't mm. you, why don't you go do something local Go do a, a video shoot in Albany, for example, with Britt Burnham, right? Go do a video yeah. shoot highlighting the city that you're in. People, you know, people want to be proud of being there. And I think you add a really good element of that to what goes on with our clients. Yeah. Thank you. 
I, uh, in the re- I think the reason it works is people don't realize this. My what I do is one hundred percent a job. It is, I it's bespoke problem solving. That's all I do. Like, so I was actually having this conversation um, this past weekend. I was, which, you know, it's so cool. My two, I just got back from this like West Coast trip. Both the individuals that um, I interviewed, uh, Lori Christine King and Marcus, Marcus, I was introduced to directly from you. Um, Lori, I knew from like, I know you guys have worked together and stuff like that, but it's uh, it was so funny. I was out there and I was just like, man, what a connector Sean is. Like, it's so funny how the, how, you know, you're, you're seven degrees of Kevin Bacon kind mm. of thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, I problem solve like a lawyer or a doctor would in just the sense, like you only go to them when you need them. So someone's like, Oh man. So, uh, so-and-so doesn't work with you anymore. I'm like, yeah, I, I that, that, that's the, like, that's the whole point, homie. Like right. I literally been thinking about this template. It's, it's in Canva right now. I've just never published it. It's just a photo of the gym owner. And it's a case study of this. I did the, the headline at the top of it says, uh, so-and-so just fired me. Cause I want to show people that my goal is not to work with you every month. Like God, I don't want to fucking do that. I want to work with you high touch point when the problems are the, the busiest and they're whatever. And then I want you to come back to me when you need me, like you would your lawyer or your doctor, right? Hopefully you don't have a lawyer on, re- on retainer, like every single month. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you don't have, you know, you don't be, you're not having to see a doctor every single month. When those things have occurred, you're already in a lot of fucking trouble. I want to just be, I want to be a guy that, you know, high touch points, solve problems, and then you know who to go back to when there's another problem. And because I'm not part of a system, like I don't have to have you do PT first. I don't have to have you do straight to class. I don't have to have you now do PT second. I can, you know, I don't, you don't, you can be a global gym, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym, a yoga studio, or a fucking global gym. It doesn't like it, it. That's the nice thing too, is um being able to fix problems and not have to fit anybody in any one set system. Well, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Because we, when you did your piece on the best hour of their day becoming the CrossFit thing, yep. um, one of the things that you touched on was when they said that, that you know, there's 80% of things are the same, but 20%, like this is, this is totally different. It's very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. And you described it as, no, it's like, it's, it's different than a commercial gym. It's, no different than hit studio. It's no different than speak on that. How, how is it that um, I'm with you, by the way, I just want to hear you articulate it. How is it that it doesn't matter what kind of a micro gym you are, your business is generally going to be the same as others. Yeah. So I guess it's the, the important thing for that is to understand that I look at the fitness industry and I start breaking things. Out. Like I, I always thought what Glassman did when he created the operational definition of fitness, that was so smart because otherwise everyone's talking about something, but there's no set definition. So I go ahead and look at the model and I'm like, okay, there's seven business models for brick and mortar fitness, right? There's Globo Gym. Right. There's like this large open gym stale mile. There's the boutique or the micro gym. There's individual design. There's online. Like I go through all this and this is stuff like, like I make content on publicly and, you know, it's in, you know, it's inside of micro gym university as well. But like, okay. So that's the thing though. Uh, best hour of their day or anyone. This is, this is just. They, they were, uh, they had the video out on the podcast and, um, that I did the reaction video to, but I would probably have the same conversation on other people making similar statements that they made guys. No, there's, I mean, there are unique models in the business side of the fitness industry. That's all. And, and to say that a, a CrossFit gym is one of those unique models is wrong because CrossFit by definition is a fitness methodology. And 
those guys know the fitness methodology as well as anyone, if not better. I just want to make sure everyone understands there's, it does not mean that they know the business methodology of it as well. Not, and I'm saying that they don't. Like, I think Marcus is a genius and I, I like those guys a lot. And I definitely think they're going to be able to help a lot of CrossFit gyms. But I just wanted to make sure it went on the record that guys, no, 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 just pause, hold on a second. CrossFit gyms are not their own, own unique business model. They have the exact same pain points, opportunities. Um, they could have the same revenue models. Right. There's operating models. There's revenue models. You could, I guess you could break it down into marketing models. Uh, if you really wanted to get super nuanced and do, you know, about this whole thing, but like, that's it. And I just didn't want to know. I just, I did not want people just sliding that. Oh, CrossFit's special. It's, it's its own special thing. So how do you balance that when, when we look at, say, for example, you, you acknowledge that they're different business models applied to a fitness methodology. Yes. So let's take, for example, a Barry's Bootcamp or a Soul Cycle, which have very similar business models, even mm-hmm. if they use different fitness fitness elements to it, and the CrossFit gym. Yep. Right. So <clears throat> for people who don't know, most of the membership money going to a Barry's or a Soul Cycle is going to be paid per class. They have class packages, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that now Barry's has an unlimited, which is which is your monthly dues of like four hundred something dollars a month. But how is that? going to be a similar business uh, requirements, pain points, all these kinds of things to what a CrossFit's going to have. Uh, so we can start at the, I mean, we started where we started the, the physical nature. Again, these are going to be in-person facilities. You have got to go and acquire a space to do your in-person work, right? So they, they are in space now. And when we get to the boutique micro gym business model, okay, um, you're generally looking at a very specific person. You look at it generally, you can see starter and evolve my fitness customers. This is where I kind of talk about the marketing side of it. And like, uh, give me a screen share real quick. Can I, can I, yeah, you can wait. Um, let's go share screen. So like, this is straight out. I'm just as like, literally just like one of the, the slides. Mm-hmm. So this is like when I start talking and breaking down the different models. So like in this boutique one, we're looking at starter and evolve my fitness kind of customers. They're generally looking for, again, intimate group class seeking. They, they generally align themselves with the more niche and, you know, niche than the brand is and, you know, a certain vibe, a certain feel, a certain look. That's where the tribal thing comes from. Um, they generally, for this model, they want to need the motivation of group fitness. So, okay. So micro gym and then a 24 seven globo gym, not the same, right? Just space-wise, operation. If I looked at P&L of the two, it'd look completely different. If I looked at the org chart of the two, they'd look completely different. Um, but no, CrossFit is the same here. Like the, the memberships are going to be in the triple. Di- I mean, and again, I, we could find me a boutique micro gym that's not doing a triple digit membership. But by and large, there's a, a standard, there's an, an industry rate very common in the boutique scene that's going to be in that triple digit range. It could be berries at the high end 400. It could be the shitty CrossFit at $99.99 per month, whatever. Okay. But they all have the same constraints. Like that's the thing I think we need to look at is like, okay, some of them do PIFs do. So let's talk revenue models. So berries forever only did PIF like soul cycle. There's no EFT. They do EFT now. It's been that way for like seven years, six years. But they did piss in the beginning. Piff is so, paid in full for people who are listening. Piff is paid in full, yeah. So people uh, be buying just punch like punch passes, right? But when we go in and look at all that, we talk, we think like, okay, so even the revenue model could be different. Like one could do subscription, one could do piff. Okay, but they're still a micro. They still have the same constraints. They still are heavy on the HR side. You know which business model is even heavier on the HR side? 
personal training studios, even heavier on the HR side. Okay. You know which one's the least heavy on the HR side? Online. Online fitness. And that's like where like, okay, you get into that realm. So um I'm not sure if I answer your question. I kind of feel like I went off on a tangent. But, no, you did. Um, what, you, what you described is that the pain points are going to be they need people. <clears throat> they, people need space, they need space. They need equipment. They need yep. maintenance to all of those things. They're going sure. to need to, and then like any business, they need to acquire. They need to retain. Um, it's just the degree to which they need to acquire and the degree to which they need to retain are going to change based on how they're paid. Sure. And now when they're in that that universe of these different business models, they have to account for that. They will have a Globo gym that opens up that's $45 down the street and it's 50,000 square feet. There will be multiple micro gym slash boutique models. And then 2020 happens and now there's all these online business models that they have to compete with. So all these independent business models have to, like, in my opinion, you need to be aware of the other ones. I've got, you know, I've got clients right now uh, that brick and mortar gyms. And then when I like they had them and then COVID happened, they got in trouble and we got on. We started working together. And my conclusion was you need to shut it down. Like you're going to have to like you have rent. That's over 25 percent of your total monthly revenue, which is the top end. That's where you never want to go beyond. You never want your rent to be more than a quarter of what you bring in per month. Well, they were already sitting at like 38 percent, 40 percent. COVID happens. That's not going to work. So you let's say they made 40,000 a month. It cost them. 31,000 to make 40. Well, now they go online and they're making 10,000 a month and it's costing them $622 to make $10,000 a month. Mm. So it's like, I get a lot of people that like switch to that online business model. And now if you're a brick and mortar and the world opened back up post COVID, now you have to, you have to be aware of that business model or hell, maybe in your head, you're just like, I kind of like that idea. I've been a gym owner for 10 years. I might want to go online. I might want to do what Justin McClintock does. I don't want to own a fucking gym. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just also smart to be aware of the, and, and, and pretend like your thing isn't the sun. That was my thing on that video. CrossFit's not the fucking sun. It's not the only thing. It's like it is just one player in this very big sea of micro gym boutique uh, uh, companies, firms, shops, whatever gyms, however you want to look at them uh, in business. That's it. It's nothing special. When you think about the online fitness industry, you talked earlier and I've heard you. I, I think you mentioned it to me on your show. I can't remember. Uh, the idea that online margins go through the roof, right? Online is where margins can go crazy. I've experienced those and I've experienced the opposite while making significantly more revenue than when the margins were huge. And the reason that I perceive that is because to develop, let's say, for example, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollar a year business. You can do that with a really lean team. That can be really lean. If you want to go into developing a million to ten million dollar mm-hmm. online business, you can still do that with a fairly lean team. You're gonna have some some legitimate expenses. You're gonna be looking at probably spending at least thirty to forty percent of revenue on staff. That's at least that's been my experience at the base minimum. And then there's other, there's other expenses that go with it. Of course, I think if you're looking to scale out to a business that's larger than $10 million a year, from what my experience has been so far, and I can only speak to myself, there's a period in which the margins are not awesome. Yeah. So how did like the way I look at it is kind of like I've looked at 
every movie about drug dealers I've ever seen. Why didn't you just stop before you got busted with an entire train load of (laughs) cocaine? Uh, You know, you were doing so well. What, what is your take on that? Well, you know, how, how, how do you advise people who you work with online? Like, look, are you looking to build a hundred million, a billion dollar business? Then you're not going to make money when you're doing between one and 10 as compared to that's not the goal. Let's look at where you're at. Yeah. It's very inexpensive to make a million dollars a year. It's very inexpensive to do that in, in the online thing Mm -hmm. to get to a million dollars a year in revenue. It's Fairly again, we were saying you could operate at a very high margin. Can I can, I, you, can I jump in yeah. on that real quick? I think that the highest expense that you're going to have on that the highest line item is probably going to be the mentorship that you're paying for. It probably should be. Right. Now go on. Professional, yeah. I would I would say professional services, whereas you may be able to run lean, but it's like with the online thing, we gotta think we also have to break again. We we're we're, we're talking now online business models, online fitness models, and if I were to break down you're, are you selling service one to many? You're selling products one, you know, one, you know, essentially one to well, one, talking, on a one to many scale. I think we're talking about services, obviously, services. because it's one to many. Yeah. Well, the, again, the more you start making those services special and hyper specialized and high touch point and really high quality, like I just got back from conversations, great conversations with Marcus about, all right, how does functional bodybuilding go beyond? You know, uh, you know, if Marcus is doing, let's let's say he's doing well north of three million a year, okay, and his thing now is okay. Well, how do we make great, like higher ticket, very personalized experiences for people with functional bodybuilding? Oh, that's going to be very expensive. It's going to cost people. It's going to cost systems. It's going to cost experimental for a couple of years and figuring out the sweet spot. But it's like, in order for you to get to that really high boom, 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 you know, it just becomes very expensive. And that's where, like, I always thought about for WTF. I'm like, I just want this to be a 1% paying job. I want to make 1% money in a job, not a business. I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not trying to create a career for a single human being with my company, except for me. And, but I also, that also means I'm not going to do multiple millions of dollars a year, Hmm. right? I realistically probably will never even hit a million dollars a year in doing what I do, but I'm able to run it stupid lean. I may like, it's able to be very low complex. And that was that, you know, I read that book, Paul, uh, company one by Paul Jarvis changed my entire world. The way I thought, I thought about this exact problem. And I went from, I'm going to be this gym guy. And I want, I love Isaac and Deuce. I love my staff and I want to grow other GMs. I want to do a license model. And it literally really helped, you know, with the opportunity, the real estate thing came in. I was just like, nah, I'm going to go simple. I'm going to let my real estate company be my business. The thing that keeps making money while I'm sleeping. And then I'm going to have a job. And that's mm-hmm. it. And that, and that, and I have multiple jobs and, uh, and that's the switch over, but yeah, you want to get bigger money like make more money. There's a certain point. I mean, I think it's going to be different for everything, but it, it where the money gets way more expensive to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where we are you know, as, as a company right now. It's, it's, if, if my ambition was simpler, right. To sure. steal a word from you, yeah. uh, there's, you sign a lease. <laughs> I'm not signing a lease on a new space. Mm-hmm. I don't have 26 staff, you know, full time. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot that we don't do. And and a lot of what we have right now is there for the purposes of the last thing I would want to happen is scale gets ready to come in and I have to say, "Hold on, I'm not ready. I need a year to build a team." Mm-hmm. Right? Um 
So I, I just, I'm always interested in other people's opinion on how you have the conversation with entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial people who are like, what do you think I should do? Cause I don't think that you can tell them what, what do I think you should do? It's what's important to you and yes. understanding where, where margins, cause let me back backtrack. The reason I brought this up is I've seen people, and I'm sure you have also be like, I'm just going to go online. That's where the money is. And then they're like, who do we get a follower? Like that's yeah, it's, it's, you need to be able to acquire their service there also. And it's not always just cause you're online. There's no cost to it. Correct. What is the 100%. most, so one of the things I find you to be the most uniquely skilled at is creative marketing. What is the most outside of the box marketing endeavor that you have done with a client that you saw work out of the box? Um, I want to, uh, we get like just wild stuff and then, uh, just the like actual practical stuff. So, um, so I, on a, on a real practical, but still a little wild level. I mean, everyone listening to this has probably had to go or thought about going to some kind of a health fair. Right. Some kind of like a fucking, you know, an in-person thing where you generally went with a table and you put a tablecloth over it and you had some paper marketing and maybe have one of those big, tall fucking signs or something like that. And you just hope people would come over to your table. And even if you're Sean Pastooch, who has the gift of gab, it could talk, you know, sell you on anything. You still what you're going to get to talk to 15, 20 people, 30 people in the course of hour, like five, six, seven, mm -hmm. however long the event is. Yeah. Not the best, most effective way to do it. And when you're there. Are you really trying to close anyone who's at a, at a health fair expo? No, you're not closing anybody. You should be trying to just meet and greet, brand awareness, lead generation. So uh, gym owners, like, I'm not going to this thing again. Um, it's, it was a waste of our time. We went, I sent my staff, we went, we just sat for three hours. I think I got like two names and emails. I'm like, yeah, what'd you do? Just stand there with your thumb on your ass? He goes, well, I mean, what, I mean, we walked up to people. I'm like, oh, you walked up to people. How innovative of you. You're just a regular fucking, you know. All right, so let's do this, buddy. Um, what's the demographic? Who is in? So once I dial it in, I kind of get an idea of who's going to, who's like, me, what kind me, of people are back going up. there. Had they gone before they started working with you? And you were no, asking. Yeah, they had been, okay. Yes, they had gone to one of these things for at least one or two years. And then when I'm doing an audit on the marketing of things, like, yeah, well, we, there's this thing that's coming up. We did it the last two years. We're not doing it again. I said, why? Is it not popular? Mm -hmm. The only reason you don't do those things is because no one goes. It's the only reason you don't go. There's one prerequisite to going to one of these expos or where you pop, like, even if it's like a farmer's market or like a local business B2B, if there's a lot of people, you go. That's the only prereq, okay? Mm -hmm. um, are there more people attending there than you have paying customers? You go, right. okay? So, because uh, we only have to be hyper-locally relevant. We just need people locally to know you guys. It's way easier than online. Like the average gym needs like 300 people to, to know them and pay them in person way easier than getting 10,000 followers mm -hmm. truly. So depending on what you look like, if you look like me, it's a lot, it's, it's way, way harder. Right? I don't know, like, man. Not since the, not since the fucking body makeover over here. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but no, if I, if I was a hot chick, it'd be maybe way easier. Uh, but let, let's but getting to what I said. Listen, let's, um, let's make it fun. Let's make it interactive. Uh, so we went and got uh, six, small like you know like you might take like it's a, a little bucket you might fill it with ice and put like drinks in it at your kid's birthday party or some shit like that we got six on each side we got it there they have an eight pound dynamax ball and essentially they just had a game where you could go ahead and like squat and throw and if you make it in you make three for everyone you make it you get like three or four shots you get a free class 
And this was a demographic of people where it was just like, hey, we got playing a game. Games work. They're called fairs. Fairs, the entire operating model, revenue model of a fair relies on games. So we did games. We did one that had cornhole. We did one that um, – I had one girl one time make her own pinwheel like you spin the fucker, right? Like a wheel of fortune kind of thing. And there was things – anything like that that was interactive versus just come and talk to me with my sad puppy dog eyes because I need to get some leads. That, so there was, there's that. Now, I've seen that go on the wrong side. I've seen gyms like bring equipment out. And be like, all right, if you hit 20 cows on the air dine in under a minute, you get a free week of classes. Bro, these people are in their khakis. They're going to lunch after this. Mm-hmm. No one's like throwing down on yours. Like, what do you think? So was it a CNS dump just on this assault bike in the middle of their workday? They don't even know what an assault bike is. Stop it, you meathead. Um, so there are cool things like that. Food and beverage. Bring food and beverage. It's the easiest hack ever. Mm-hmm. Hey, is, are there going to be food and beverage in this place? Yeah, I don't know. Cool. Bring it for free. Piss off the guys that are selling food and beverage. Bring it for free. Partner with a local business, the local kombucha spot, a smoothie, cold brew, beer. I don't care what it is. Um, And and bring free food and beverage, right? Like little things like that that are just like from that particular example, creating games is fun. And guess what? The second someone touches your game, what do they have to do? They have to fill out the waiver. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's as simple as that. Joe Tabaldi. I don't know if you ever got a chance to meet with him. He was he's one of my yeah. Joe's he's he's the guy who taught me all this. He Top Golf. You familiar with that brand? Yep. They brought him in for marketing consulting, and they were having a hard time at expos getting people to sign up for free lessons. And he was just like, "You're a golf company. Why are there no games? Why is there no putt putt for fucking like this and that?" And that's what they do now. They always have some kind of an interactive thing there. And it just, it's the, it's the entire thing. So anyone doing a health expo, just make it interactive in a fun way that grandma could do it. And that someone who doesn't even really want your fitness might like, Oh, let me, let me shoot the, let me shoot the thing. Let me try to make the, the bag in the cornhole or whatever, just make it fun. Cause it gets people talking. And if you can make the game, like where they get stuck there with you for like a minute, two minutes, three minutes, um, that's it. Like, uh, another one we did was a make your own, co- like it was a, here's a healthy cocktail bar. You ever see like make your own Bloody Mary bar? It was a make your own cocktail bar. And all they had in there was like they should they had like this thing of lime juice and whatever. And then one of the local companies supplied like this, like a seltzer that tastes like a margarita. So it was no like hard booze, but it was like make your own. This is how you make your own healthy cocktail. Make it yourself and you can take it with you while you walk around the expo. So they just paid for the the material, the the you know the ingredients, and guess how long it takes for them to make the drink? It took like a minute or so. So they got to talk to someone for like two, you had like two minutes of their um attention anyway it's, it's little things like that i like it i want to share with you what we're doing i think you'll like it right. so this is for our local spot before we opened we we um pinpointed some local influencers who we thought would be good people to represent our space and now for people who are listening you probably know we're not looking for the jacked tan you know bikini model kind of client. We're looking for somebody who is going to have a transformation that is going to give them a ton of confidence and let them walk around more proud. So we found one in particular, a restaurateur who owns one of the high end restaurants in town. She's amazing, right? She's gained significant amount of weight over a period of time that she's not excited about. And she's lost some of her, her confidence. So we've been, I've been back in the game, personal training, until our staff gets Ooh, on site. Nice. Myself, I like that. Yeah, me and Larry doing personal training sessions with her twice a week. We're going to create content with her. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing 
is actually exchanging what the personal training session value would be for purchased appetizers at her restaurant at cost pricing. So when we're ready to start a real presale, everybody who shows up on a Friday and a Saturday night until our money runs out gets this appetizer before they even get to place an order with a card on it that says this appetizer is a gift from our partner business, Active Life. This is their mission, their vision, their values. Click here to see if there's someone who you'd like to work with. Very cool. I love it. Is it a significant appetizer? Like I'm now I'm curious about the appetizer. Like a deviled egg, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So it's, like so get something and name it, like get it something on the menu to where it has your name attached to it. Like maybe not Sean's name, but like the mm-hmm. brands there's something to that effect to the point where then hopefully if it's good enough, it's a unique menu item. People are like, oh, you got to have that on the reg. That was so fucking good. I really enjoyed that fucking appetizer. And then Sean gets the kickback of being like, huh, there's a fucking appetizer named after me at this restaurant because it did so well during our marketing promo. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if she would go that far. It's one of those, it's like a farm to table, high, high caliber food restaurant. But yeah. the idea of taking an appetizer that she wants to run with and saying sure. Active Life bought it for you. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. I know it's it's super smart. And again, you're being you're the smartest part about that for everyone listening is the time and effort it took to just identify the mavens, the movers and the shakers, the influential people. And I, I I've been to I've been to your the beautiful town of Long Beach, New York. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a small, it's a it's a good community feel. Like it's you I've seen your videos where you're walking down the street and you're bumping in, you're running your dad, or you're mm-hmm. like you and me went to that restaurant, that one spot you took me to that was awesome. Yep. And everyone knew you. Like it was like you were the mayor in there. And it's like, well Sean's been born you know, he's been here forever and he's got a good reputation. And now he's just activating that. Mm-hmm. Well that's the job, that's, right? What what you're describing there is if you own a local business, you need to be the mayor of your town. A thousand percent. I stopped a being the mayor percent. when I went online and then I'm like, you know, even that, like what you saw, the, the, the mayorness, if you will, of what you yeah. saw was residual from three years prior when I owned a business in town. Yep. And so now I just got to gear it up again. Teach Cody it's so funny. It's so funny because I think as gym owners, we think so much of like, oh, I'm going to get all my money from from online, my website, my Google business listing, my ads, my Facebook posts, my reels. And it's so funny now because so now I have this online presence, right? I do WTF Gym Talk. I have the Gym Real Estate Company. And gyms, if you're a gym owner in Charlotte, you may it might, it's a high, decent likelihood you've heard of me. We've interacted. Well, now with the gym real estate company, now I've got to hit the pavement real hard to get to work. If I want to, you know, it's a great opportunity for me if I can work with a lot of gym owners in Charlotte that if there's a gym transit, if there's a gym lease happening, getting signed, Stu's the guy doing it in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Like that would be great for me. So as I'm slowly building out that job of mine and my clientele list and things like that, I'm having to get back to getting back in person and like, oh, they may have heard of me. But when was the last time I stopped inside their studio? When was the last time I asked the owner on a po- my podcast, you know, to help get them? When have I ever gone to be, hey, listen, um, are you looking for anybody? Like, I'd love to just have any owners who are looking for a job, whatever. How can I help you maybe find a, a GM or a coach or something like that with my connections? So, yeah, um, anyone listening to this, that's the, that's the number one thing is you have got to, you've got to become a mover and shaker. But moving and shaking means you got to, like, move and shake. You can't click. Mm-hmm. That clicks. Right. Well, that's also the, the benefit to that is look how jacked you've gotten. By going to all your local gyms and just working out to start conversations. Working out, yeah. Keeping uh, keeping me uh, out of trouble from uh, going in and just visiting my favorite bourbon spots at night. You know what the other thing about uh, creating a local presence is? 
people, yeah, people might find you online and then they're going to talk to somebody who they know about what they found online. And if that person who they talk to knows you or has heard of you or has seen you, has heard that you're a good person, the likelihood of the, the first person, the one who initiated the conversation because they saw an ad for your business or they saw a post that resonated with them coming in goes up exponentially. My, the class president in my high school was friends with the jocks and the nerds mm-hmm. and the, these kids and the, the theater kids and the musicians. And it's like, and it, it, you know, and it's so funny. He's actually in politics now in Cleveland, Ohio, but he, um, loser. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you do. But like, you think about it, like if he, he would have been a great small business owner, mm-hmm. he would have been a great brick and mortar location, small business owner. Um, because that's how he always thought he always like, I need to be a connector. I need to, I need, people need to know me and they need to know that what they see online isn't bullshit. And that's what the real life interaction is. That's why, you know, I used to not like to tell people I was in the fitness industry when I was out socializing on the Mm -hmm. weekends because I just didn't want to get asked a gazillion questions. And then when I turned on WTF in 2015, that's the exact opposite. Um, I'm actually meeting my uh, guy who does dry needling for me, Mm -hmm. shot me a text and he's older. He's like, he's probably in his maybe his 60s, late 50s. And uh, we're going to, you know talk about his business and stuff like that and, and do all that. And uh, I've, been, I've been seeing him for years, years. And he's, just, he's not on social media. He's not like an Insta. He didn't see my, my, uh, my latest podcast episode or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just someone that he, you know, I've done work around Charlotte. I've worked with other people outside of the fitness industry, just on pro boat, just like, here, let me talk with you. Let me, you know, sure. I'll, I'll tell, t- I'll take a meeting. I'll take a phone call. I'll take things that have no financial ROI for me. Um, I take a lot of those these days. Like I got a coffee shop right next to my house I walk to and I, I will do free meetings there constantly. And uh, guess what? That coffee shop, all right, it's attached to a co-working spot. The co-working spot opened a, a gym two years ago to go along with their membership. Guess who's one of my consulting clients now, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just, but constantly see me take these meetings. The, like all oh, these old clients here, not technically, just local business owners that I, that I want to you know help if I can. Um, yeah, you just gotta, you gotta talk that talk. I'm sorry. You have to walk the walk because online is the talk, the talk. Mm -hmm. You got to show walking locally, locally. My God, you know, if you know what, if people see you personally training in real life in your dope new facility one time, like I know you're in build out mode right now, but let's say the building was open and they walked by and they saw the owner actually working with this really popular restaurant, you know, uh, entrepreneur, they, they see that in real life. It's so much different than when they see it on a video because mm-hmm. videos are promo. Videos are marketing. Videos are planned. And people don't always trust. People don't inherently trust businesses. That is a truth. Nobody inherently just trusts the business until the business has earned the, the trust. And you got to earn the trust before you ever make the sale typically. So it's like, how do I earn people's trust before I take the money? Mm-hmm. And it just, anyway, I think, I think what you're doing is very smart. Well, it, what you just described is almost our whole marketing strategy. It's, it's, it's doing things that have no necessary financial ROI. So for example, you know, by the time that this comes out, my newsletter will have already come out with this in it. But this next Monday, I made a post yesterday that I recently sent an email to our local school board and to the superintendent. Cause I was the guy at meetings all year who was like, no, my kid doesn't need to wear a mask. Correct. But I did it in a way where I wasn't saying you're the devil, you want to kill my kid. 
Fuck you. And yeah. I wasn't going there saying like, if you don't make them wear masks, everyone's going to die. So there yeah, were yeah. these two polar opposites in the room. And I was the guy in the middle saying, I understand that we might not agree on everything. And I respect the way that you guys are doing things, even if we don't get what I want. Um, and I used to get thank yous from them after the meetings for being respectful and for actually providing um, constructive criticism and things Correct, that could be yeah. done. I sent an email saying, look, last year I, I tried everything that I could to be impactful. I joined committees. I did, I did all of it. And I learned that I'm not the best at being on a team. I'm much better at leading a team and power to people who are good at being on it. I would like for my business to do good for the school district and for the town. And what I would love to be able to do is host two events a year in the school, absolutely free to the school, $10 to attend. So it's affordable for everybody. We will take every dollar that we raise and donate it back into the school district. The idea being teach them the basics of healthy eating, how to start an exercise program, how to hold themselves accountable, provide a digital platform that we can educate the whole fucking town on for free thereafter. And all I need from you is access to your gymnasium to host the event, word getting spread from you, and the ability to shoot some promos inside of the space so that we can help you get the word out. We're not yeah. going to make any money on that event. My hope is we put a thousand people in it two different times. And the best case scenario is word gets around that we're doing good things for our town. Like that, that's that to me, that that's, that's marketing. I, I, I agree. Very, uh, very a la Seth Godin. You know, it's very much that kind of a, you know, it's just about being influential and you can't be influential if you don't help people. You'll, so, or if you ask for something. Sure. hundred percent. Yeah. I love it, man. I, it's, I think it's super smart. And just, you know, and as I know, I'm sure you're, you're already on this, like in documenting that process, because again, your town looks very similar. Like, honestly, the thing I think I'd like about your town, I can look and be like, Oh, I could, I can look at Charlotte and that strategy work in Charlotte, that strategy mm -hmm. work in New York, that strategy work in bumfuck nowhere, Ohio. Like, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I think that's, I think that's awesome. I'm hoping that the gym owners you guys are working with are, I hope they really kind of take a look or they get to really see the inside workings of that play that you're pulling. Cause that's long tail. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to, you're not gonna be able to submit a fucking white paper on that next month saying, this no. is how I did it. No, this is how I 26% <laughs> my, you know, 26 X my ROI. Right. No, it's gonna be long tail. And, and there will be no measurable okay. ROI to it unless we ask everybody, where'd you hear about us? And they're like, well, I heard about you seven different times, but the <clears> first time I heard about you was this event. Like I'm, yeah, I'm so over that. Like someone's asked me all the time, like, so what's the measurable ROI of the thing? And I'm like, I make more money every year. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I keep doing this stuff and I keep getting yeah. paid more. Yeah. I, it's, uh, it's a hundred percent. Like no, and the one thing, like there's measurable ROI, like you can go back and like, what did you spend money on this year? What mm -hmm. took money out of your account? It's much harder to track what put money in the account. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so anyway, just very interesting. Very cool, man. I love ha that. Have you ever found yourself working with a client where you had to tell them, I think you just need to stop being an asshole? No. I, well, so the, the funny thing, my girlfriend moved in with me and um, <laughs> she is in a corporate job and she listens to me on calls, you know, throughout the day. And I remember like, I don't know, this is like maybe three weeks into her, like, she never really like observed what I do, like actually what pays the bills. She's like, people fucking pay you money to talk to them like that. And just for everyone listening, I'm not mean and rude to people. I'm just, I am what I am. I'm just like, you see and consume me. If you, if you consume my shit, I am very direct. 
mm-hmm. very well. That's very why I asked if you've ever told someone that they're being an asshole. Yeah, not an asshole. I said something that I think they're completely full of shit. I think what you want in your actions don't map. And if you think that I, you, if you had even thought in your head for a second that I wouldn't see through this, what you're doing or not doing, and wasn't going to call you out on it, I think you hired me under false pretense. And maybe that's my fault, but I, I don't think so. And uh, anyway, so like I've had that happy, and I've never gotten any, never been fired. No one's ever like whatever. I've had someone say, hey, uh, you know, I've had people go ahead and make, well, it's because this, and maybe I didn't understand something, right? Maybe I didn't know another thing was happening in their life or there was another angle to it or something like that, but more 99 times out of a hundred, it's okay. That's what I fucking needed. And that's honestly what I originally probably thought of when I hired you was you were to be this guy. And this is what I was going to need because again, like most business owners know what to do. They allow themselves to tell them, tell themselves bullshit reasons as to why it can't be done mm-hmm. or why they don't have the time or why it doesn't work and all this other stuff. Um, and that's, you know, you know, from a consulting perspective, uh, that I think that's the job of anyone who's providing that is to, uh, is to get the person their end goal. Like my, my guys, you know, when we get on calls, I, my intake form is pretty lengthy. And I say, what are the three biggest headaches in your business right now that I can help solve? And my goal on that first initial business development call, which is a paid call, they get on, they fill out this lengthy intake form. They book a call. Prior to the call, I download all that. I take my notes. I know what I'm looking at. I know patterns and trends. I, I can kind of see this whole financial picture. I can see qualitative and quantitative. I, 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 they tell me what the headaches are. And then I know what question. I know where we need to go. Within 60 minutes, my goal is to get them like action steps on three big headaches. Sometimes we only do two, depending on what the headaches are. And I tell them, regardless, if we never work together another time ever in our life, you'll get off this call with an action list that if I were you and I had your aspirations for the business, but I had these headaches and these parameters making this much, this many people on payroll, whatever, this is what I would be doing. So at least you get off that call with an action list. So you can go to work on items one, two, and three immediately at the end of the call. And um, the hard thing is that, you know, as a business owner for me, or as a problem solver, there's problems. Once I solve, there's really no reason for us to work together anymore. That mm-hmm. isn't, I mean, like, and I've had some clients like personal, you know, like you know this, but you go back to your personal training days. How many clients did you have that really didn't need you anymore? Like it was like, they were, it was like, you were their emotional hour. I don't want to be that for people. Right. right? I don't want that. Um, I want to solve the problem and I want to touch base with you when there's another problem popped up. But then it's also, you look at all these models out there. I don't care if it's two brain or best hour of their day or what like, we're going to get on a call once a month and you're going to have a mentor that's going to blah, 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 blah. I think that's fucking bullshit. I don't think you can, because you cannot solve these problems on one call per month. Not doable. Oh, you have unlimited, you have unlimited email support from us. Eat a dick, email support. I'm going to put, I'm going to take time out of my, I'm already slammed busy as an owner and I need to now crank out seven paragraphs and explain. And you know how most owners are, by the way, not great at written word communication. That's why they mm-hmm. need help with marketing so much. So like I leverage things like I, you know, this way <laughs> in our personal friendship, Sean hates that I do this, um, but I use oh, audio messages and I use a platform that I talk with my owners daily, if not weekly. Right. Shit mm-hmm. goes down and we audio message back and forth. I walked the dog the other day and I looked at my inbox inside of my, my workplace app. I had 15 audio messages. What app is it? Uh, workplace. 
It's that's, by Facebook. That's why you're able to do it. The reason I hate it is I'm like, I can't even. Oh, no, no, no. When you and me do it. No, I'm just using, that's just face. I'm just using, uh, that's <sighs> just inst- or that's just a text message. Yeah. There's something wrong with your phone. We need, I don't know. There's something wrong with your phone. Your audio message button I'm is on not like an I, I'm on like an iPhone 6. So it's <laughs> <laughs> No, but this app is great because it notifies me just like an inbox. It says, hey, listen, so-and-so just sent you a message. And so I can, I listen to it. I'm walking the dog. And I'm like, oh shit, that I know why they're having this problem. They didn't think of this. So I can literally be walking the dog. And if, unless I need some kind of documents in front of me, I need to be referencing something, but I'm able to give them, this is what, this is the problem. This is why it's, this isn't working for you. This is what I would be doing. Mm-hmm. Go and give this a try. Hit me back. And I could be talking to someone daily or weekly, all week, all month. And then at the end of the month, maybe we have our call. And now we get on the call, we could be talking about new shit, like shit that we need to be working out, excuse me, going forward. Not these little like incidental, well, well, Stu, I need to catch up, but here's seven problems that have happened since our last call. Mm -hmm. No, I can, I can knock those out of the park for you during like in the, in the middle of the day. Right. No, I, I'm, I, I'm in full lockstep with you on that. One of the, one of the things that we've run into that we actually had to pare back is that we had too much availability for clients in such a way that they weren't even using all of the availability because it was, you know, we have someone sitting there for a zoom office hours. What, what problems are popping up today? Oh yeah. You know, if you yeah. need, if you need to submit them in advance, submit them in advance, we'll answer them on the call. Otherwise show up on the call, get them answered in real time. And it was like, no, I'm meeting with my mentor often enough. I don't need those office hours calls. I'm meeting with the subject matter expert often enough. I don't need the office sure. hours calls. My client, my staff has their mentors and their office hours calls. So I, I don't know how people try to do it once a month either. And then let's talk about the other side. So like, I know someone's listening to this. They're like, oh, that doesn't sound like he, he talks about having a job. That sounds like what? Is he literally just attached to his phone and having to answer shit all day? Like, no, I, I literally said, I don't have set office hours, but like I look at my email. I have a, a moment in the, I have a time slot small time slot that I do emails and answer these questions in the morning. I have one that I do in, in the mid to late afternoon. That's mm-hmm. it. It's two, two times a day. Um, if there's an emergency or something, obviously the higher frequency will get priority, but like our, uh, a bigger problem, we get priority, but that's it. It's like very four hour work week is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of scenario. Like you got to just like, you got to section off your time. So you know when to be doing this. If, if you deal with an email, every time an email comes in, you're never getting anything done. No. Do you find yourself ever, um, Talking to third parties who are not a member of the business. So for example, you're talking to a gym owner and the gym owner's husband is causing problems for the gym owner when they go home or the gym owner's wife. And then you're like, you know what? Instead of me trying to talk to your spouse through you, can we get all three of you on a call? If they're business partners, I've done a lot of mediations. Um, What if they're not? yeah, if they're not, if they're not business partners, it's not, I don't, I mean, and you're having problems with your husband or wife, I might maybe anecdotally be able to share you with you stories of my own or other clients, maybe hopefully frame that up for you, but I'm sure as hell, I, I, I'm not, uh, I, unless they're part of the business, like they're a business partner and we're having business discussions. I'm not trying to step into marriage counseling or anything like that. Well, so I think I'm talking less about marriage counseling. I'm talking more about, for example, uh, and, and it sounds like this hasn't come up for you and that's fine too. Where a business owner you're working with is perhaps struggling to articulate what they're trying to do to their spouse. And they ask, like, can you can you help them understand what got it? Okay. Like articulate like, honey, this is why I'm working 70 hours a week. Or well, like, this or, honey, I'm- this is this is why I'm rebranding the gym and she doesn't understand why I'm gonna go through this. Oh, yes, yeah. If we're if he's making changes to the business that to the layman, whether it's his friends, is it whatever, his employee, like, again, like there's, mm-hmm. it's generally going to be the customer and the staff are, are always going to, you got to find ways to explain to them why 
you're raising the prices while you're changing the schedule, you're changing the programming, whatever the fuck it may be. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's, it's always math based. Cause I, I want to create arguments that you can't argue with me on. Yep. I'm generally very cocky and confident in a lot of things, mainly when I have math on my side, cause you can't, you can't argue like, we're not going to, there's no winning here. It just, this is what the math is. And so explaining to them, like, yeah, you have nine staff members for a total monthly payroll budget of $13,000. However, you've had to work every single one of your kids' T-ball games. That's insane. Mm -hmm. If you had $13,000 or whatever that number was in monthly payroll budget per month, you should never have to miss your kids' T-ball game. Right. You have way too many fucking people on the bench. We need less people making way more money. Mm -hmm. That's well, it. So, yeah. That, the reason I asked you that is I, I thought that we had discussed once before you doing it, but I was starting to doubt myself and now I don't have to doubt myself anymore. I think that that's, that's another example of where mentorship, advocacy, whatever you want to call it for clients, it, it it's going to fail if it's once a month. Cause what do you, okay. So next month we'll yeah. get your wife on a call. No. Like that. So, so we're yeah. supposed to argue for a month cause I can't express what I'm trying to say. Correct. Correct. And, and then, you know, and that's why, you know, having higher touch points through the beautiful avenues of technology, like audio messages or video messages or whatever it may be. Um, Zoom. I mean, like, so funny, man. I, I was using Skype for a year, but then I switched to Zoom in like 2016. But I've been using Zoom for a fucking hot minute for my consulting business. Mm -hmm. um, I was charging a, like what? Should have bought stock. Who's that? I said you should have bought stock. Oh, should have bought stock. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you're right. Uh huh. I mean, who was who saw that coming? Um, but yeah, no, like Skype and this and whatever, like this idea of, uh, of, you know, you're like your psychiatrist. Like, there's no, I don't need HIPAA. I don't have anything I have to work around. Mm -hmm. Right. I've got no rules. Like I can, I can bang out a mess. I can bang out communication with you instantly every day as needed. Um, the limitation, you know, the biggest issue with that is getting people to teach them brevity. Mm, That's all. Yeah. You're like, okay, I've been listening. I, I stopped listening to your message. It's been yes. three minutes and you haven't said anything yet. Yeah. So I, mean, you, you, I remember you giving me shit like that. Like, Stu, I don't have time to listen to a fucking podcast from you and your audio <laughs> message. <laughs> One time, I was just like, <laughs> well, the thing that the, the reason I give you such shit about the audio message is, is, is for a few reasons. Number one is I can't do it. So I feel like less of a human because I can't hold my thumb in a single spot long enough to record a message back. Another reason is I get an audio message and I'm like, oh, I'm not in a position to listen to this right now. So yeah, I'm yeah. going to close it. But now I have no texts from you. It does, sure. There's no alert that I have a text. And then four days later, I'm like, ah, oh, damn. What were you talking about? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah uh, I know. And then I feel they like I got to send you an audio back. So instead I just send you a video back. It'll happen soon enough. You're going to be able to look at that audio message. You'll be able to tap it and it'll transcribe it. So you'll be able to see the the text of the mm -hmm. audio message. It will be, it will happen soon enough. Apple will get on, get on their shit. I, I, I think I'm, they already have confident. that, but it just makes they have for voicemail, okay. a voicemail to transcribe. But, um, Oh, the it, message you sent. Yeah. 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 But it, it's definitely, I think from a business consulting standpoint, like, I mean, my lawyer, so I, a very heavy lawyer, like, uh, you know, when I got sued by the one tenant, when I shut mm -hmm. down the gym, I mean, my lawyer's like, you know, and I got, you know, I have the itemized bill, but like every phone call, every email, you know, you're being billed for, but it was not efficient because these emails are come through and there are things that I need. Like I cannot, I could put it in an email. It's going to be seven paragraphs. It'd be about a thousand characters. It's like, there's too much going on. We need voice. And I also want you to hear the tone of my voice lawyer. Cause mm -hmm. I'm pissed about something. Right. And I need you to understand the sense of urgency we got going on here. Um, 
then all that gets lost in, in like traditional, like, oh, you have unlimited email support. I'm like, great. Because that's what people like doing is contacting tech support through email. Right. Which is essentially what you are kind of at that point for their mm-hmm. business. Yeah. For my own efficacy, right? This is a selfish question, but I'll pose it as if it's not. For yeah. somebody who's opening their own space, a new one, they're, they're moving whatever it's going to be, or they're opening from, from scratch. How do you gauge what a successful pre-sale period would be? I remember yep. talking to a gym owner recently who was not a client, who was getting ready to open. I'm like, what's your strategy to acquire members before you get started? He's like, open. And I said, that's a terrible idea. Once you're open and you're servicing clients, you're having to divert all of your manpower or woman power from acquiring clients, which is exactly the only thing your business needs right now. Sure. To servicing clients, even if there's two or three of them. How do you help gym owners or, or future business owners understand this is what successful before you open looks like? So I think everyone has to understand that in the group model, the worst thing to have happen in the first 90 to six months, 90 days to six months of being open is for the energy level to be so low when prospective customers come in because there's not enough class attendance. It'll actually kill sales. Mm -hmm. Someone who walks in is like, you're convenient to me. I kind of, I like the messaging. This is a good facility, but they walk in and they're one of two people in a 6 a.m. class. That's not anyone looking for group fitness. We also have to get into the psychology. They're looking for a certain kind of energy. They're looking for a certain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you being one of two people in there is not only financially a shit show for you, uh, but it's also just an experience, not what they signed up for. Okay. There's very few places that when you go to and there's not a lot of people, you're happy. Like if you go to the amusement park with your kids and there's no one there, you're fucking pumped, mm-hmm. right? No lines. It's not the case in group fitness. That's not what we're looking for. I use this in bars as an example. It's kind of fun when you go to a bar if it's like, oh, it's got us good on people in here. There's good music. It's got a good energy versus you walk into a bar and it's fucking dead. Like there's nobody in the bar whatsoever. And you're like, eh, I don't know. You guys want to hit up a different spot? This place is kind of beat. Like mm-hmm. that's the vibe for boutique group fitness. Anyway, so for your pre-sale then, what we need to understand is we need to um, we need to have enough bodies in the building that we could sell more bodies. So what does that look like? Well, that's also how many classes will we run per day? What is the class cap? So we have an idea. I generally would like those classes to be sitting at 70%-ish occupancy utilization rate, okay? So, you know, 10-person class cap, you know, seven people in it on average in the class. Well, okay, if that's the case, how many people do I need to have in the building to get there? Because I'm talking from an optics perspective, not even financially yet. Now, from a financial perspective, um, there's high cost and opening facility, right? You, we are not going to be able to pre-sell you out of your debt. Like that, that's not happening. Nope. Okay. <laughs> but I would like for your regular OPEX, your operating expenses, I would love for you outside of payroll. Cause that's also something that changes very significantly in the first month of ownership of first month of being open versus the end of the first year. That should hopefully change for you pretty drastically. I'd like for your, I'd like for things to be covered. So we're talking your, your, your fixed expenses, your Mm -hmm. rent, your insurance, your SaaS products, your fucking utilities. So what you're saying is whatever the number is for the number of members, plus the number of dollars or times the number of dollars, um, have enough that your, everything is covered perhaps with the exception of payroll. Now there's a secondary question, which is if you're a group model, how many classes do you need to have such that, 
that volume of people represents 70% capacity in the classes that you have. So don't open with your 45 classes a week. Correct. A hundred percent. You generally, you know, again, guys, this is all the thing. The average gym is going to run in nine good class times a day, nine good class times, like six to nine, even mm -hmm. you have your AM pocket might have an afternoon, depending on your demo and you'll have an evening pocket. That's it. There's nothing that's going to help you get that bang in 2 PM class. I don't have it for you. All mm -hmm. right. I don't, I've never met the person who does. Okay. But so if you, if that's the case, we all believe this. Well, okay. If I'm starting off, maybe instead of like, I believe my aspirational schedule is going to be three AMs, two afternoons, three to 4 PMs. I'm probably going to cut that entire thing in half. I'm going to go two at two AMs, one afternoon, two PMs. Mm-hmm. That's it. And and again, if I don't have a successful pre-sell, I might dial it down from that. Yeah. I might dial it down for that. We might only be open a couple hours. And you see this, like restaurants do this and whatever, where they're like, they're not open, like breweries and stuff that aren't open on Monday. Mm -hmm. Breweries historically don't open on Monday. There's just not enough business to justify being open. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, aren't you losing business by not being open? No, no, that's, that's not true at all. Right. We'll take the seven days worth of business, cram them into six and not have to pay the expenses on the one. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's, I, I want to see your OPEX covered, um, at least outside of payroll. And it also comes into like what, you know, we're kind of coming into a gym. I did a podcast on this. The number one reason gyms fail has nothing to do with a lack of you were underfunded. That was it. That's it, the majority of the reason. Like the owner who goes in is the only employee. And then he makes just a little bit more money than he hires a part-time employee, but he's mm -hmm. still being the full-time. Like, they were underfunded and you were fucked from the jump. You know, it's That's funny. You're a hundred percent right on that. People ask us all the time now, uh, which is cool. I'm, I want to open an active life. They're not going to call it an active life, but I want to open an active life model business, but I don't have any members, any staff, any location, anything like that yet. So it's too early for me to enroll with you, right? I'm like, No. No, in fact, you're in a better position than somebody who has everything right now because mm -hmm. you can open it exactly the way it's intended to be open from the very first day with the staff who has the education, the members who are joining for the purpose that you were opening instead of trying to convert the ones you have into something that is not what they joined for in the first place. For the same amount of money, would you buy a brand new home that comes batteries included and everything you want in it or for the same amount of money buy a, a fixer upper that you have to retrofit over time? Right. Not, but I mean – Right. The difference is you can live in the fixer upper while you're fixing it up. The other one, you got to live in an apartment. Yeah. And, but I mean, when I say, uh, in that the living, then the, the analogy would be like, okay, the owner is when you, when you go pay, when you think of being funded appropriately, that's generally in payroll, or maybe it's money for yourself that you, that otherwise wouldn't have been there, but it's generally in payroll, which allows you to live in it. Like when you have the, when you're doing the retrofitted gym and you're like, I'm just going to make my business acumen and my success grows with revenue, right? It just like kind of goes like this. When that's the case, you technically, you got, you have to live in it. It has to pay you mm -hmm. versus like take an additional loan out for an extra $80,000, hire a f one full-time and one part-time, hire someone at 50,000. And then you got maybe $30,000 extra in uh, part-time help, but an extra $80,000 in debt in your first year, to let this thing take off, it's worth it. I fucking promise you it's worth it. Yeah. Um, that's like, you know, it's why I like the metabolics in the franchise world because those guys, they don't let you just open like, oh, figure it out as I go. No, they make you, you have to open up with a full-time GM, a full-time head coach. Like they force you to have the money to play. And that's why I believe a lot of those models 
it, you know, again, the ones that are not, you know, F45 in it up and just, you know, uh, not that are really unhealthy on paper. They look great on the Internet. They're really unhealthy on paper. Mm-hmm. But the models that there are, there are good franchise models that are very healthy on paper and they look good on the Internet. And a lot of them, it's because of that. Yeah. What also comes with that when you're buying a franchise is you're getting the job description of the GM, the KPIs of the GM, the KPI, yes. all of those things for everybody on the staff, which is something that uh, we've worked to build out also, but we're not a franchise. You're not using the name, so you're not going to get the brand recognition that a franchise would, which is why opening a franchise can cost you 500000 a million dollars, including your outfit, where opening an active life is going to cost you what you want to build your space out to look like. Sure. With our guidance, but... Yeah. Um, and you, you know, one thing I, I'm, I was curious on your model, are you um, like, as you guys build this out, because you'll start off with an HR model, right. That you believe, and then you'll tweak it over time as it gets better mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But like, ideally, as you think about it right now, let's say I'm opening one in parallel. You, what, what do you want me to have on day one? Like what kind of staff? I want you to have a leader, which is your GM. And I want you to have two professionals who are going to be the okay. staff members who are going to execute the training. And as soon as we get to 80% capacity on those two professionals, I want you hiring the third. And I want you hiring the third uh, conceptually before you hire the third, meaning I want them getting educated before you need them. Because when you need them, it's too late. It's too late. Too late. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so, so for us, we, we have two, one is moving across the country from Spokane. One is coming out from New Jersey, giving up, a significant amount of money at the job he's at right now for the opportunity. Who's coming from Spokane? Um, Samantha. You say? Yeah, Samantha. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Which, by the way, uh, is such a cool story because she moved from Indianapolis to go work at a gym where one of our clients were operating. Our clients are going to exit, they're going to sell and be out of the gym. And she applied for the job with their blessing like go ahead do it we're like we're looking to get out um and she's gonna come and work for us which is amazing it's very cool yeah uh the second person is leaving a really well-paying job at equinox you know working with celebrity clients to come and train with us because he believes that we're going to grow and open more and more and more and he wants to be a part of the team that grows it such a great thing about Equinox and like the bigger brands is because at a certain point, the glass ceiling is so real for mm-hmm. a low level, like a, a trainer or something like that. Like the odds of you making it and, and making it at HR or uh, at corporate is so low. Well, right? he, could, odds, it, he could, and he they, could. they offered it to him, but, but he, he's not inspired by what they're doing. Like, you know, we're, sure. we're a very mission focused business. He's inspired yes. by our mission. Got it. Got it. And even if it wasn't inspired by the mission, it's still like the opportunity lies in the, in something like this mm-hmm. where he's three degrees away from the founder. Right? Yeah, like he's here like, yeah. Like everyone's like, I wish I could have been number 15 at Facebook. Mm-hmm. Right. Like anyone that like, was out in Palo Alto at the time and like all that kind of shit, like, fuck, I would have just loved to be the first, one of the first hundred employees at Facebook. Yep. Um, this new radical thing versus going to work in a compact presario and being number employee 500. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking to what you discussed before, I can't get either of those people if I don't have salaries ready for them immediately. Correct. And we had a third person who applied for a job who's just a, fucking rock star. And our plan was to open with, you know, because oh, for us, it's a lot of personal training early on. 
we don't need to worry about class times and keeping energy in the room. It's, it's personal training until you're competent enough to move into that other model. And the first person who we had a consult with, we recommended between 60 and 80 sessions. So start with 60. Uh, and we'll have a discussion about how many more you need to buy when you get to number 50. And we had a third person fall into our lap who was just an absolute rock star. So we're like, all right, we're going to open with three. Yeah, I want to go real quick. I want to ask, uh, why do you, you know, again, when you don't have to name them, you can if you want. Why do you feel the other, these, like the consulting shops that have like the 12 steps and join my thing mm-hmm. and all that? Why, why, why do you feel they don't, whether or not they don't work as well or what, what are your thoughts in there? Like, what's the flaw there? Cause I believe most people behind them have good intentions for the most part. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the digital agency ones, like yeah, the yeah. marketing agency guys, but like, I think they have good intentions. I, I just think that entire model is broken. Like if we, again, I, I don't care to name names. If you go like the two brain model where I'm going to train someone, put them through my program. Now they're a mentor. Now they're going to train someone, put them through the mentor. And I, I don't want to call that MLM, but it's like, it's definitely a, a growth, like peer, like a kind of growth, like that model, very Tupperware salesy type scenario, very cut knives. So uh, what I can, what I can speak to from my experience there and, and my experience there is to be fair to all of those other companies, third party, right? It's, it's a client of theirs came over to us, told us they had this experience and then we helped them with something different. Um, so I don't have direct experience where I can say this is what they're doing wrong and this is why. The biggest thing that uh, I believe we do really well that I don't see going on often enough in the marketplace is you, you don't move on to step two until we've identified what your mission, vision, and values for your business are. And the reason why that is so important is because everything after it becomes guided by that. So we have to have many difficult conversations with people around, you told me that this was important to you. And now you're trying to do this to make a quick buck, but it doesn't align with what you told us you wanted to be able to achieve. And so you might make a quick buck today, but are you going to be able to keep making that buck a year from now, two years, five years? Are you going to have the energy to make it? Are you going to feel good about how you made it? Another element of what I believe is missing is it's a big game of telephone, meaning we're going to put a system, not us, the proverbial mentorship company. We're going to put a system in your gym. We're going to teach it to you, Mr. Gym Owner, and then you're going to teach it to your staff. I get one phone call a month with you and you want me to go from learning it to teaching it after that call. Learning and teaching are two very different skills. Doing and teaching are two very different skills. When, when a gym works with us, the owner has a mentor who's their touch point and they have a team of subject matter experts who support that mentor and they have pre-recorded content to consume to support what the mentor and the subject matter expert are teaching them. The same is true for every single member of their staff. So someone who coaches is developing their coaches on our behalf. Someone who sells is developing the sales skills within their coaches on our behalf. Too often it's like, this is the person for you at our company and they're going to make sure you're successful. But, but that person isn't, isn't a match, doesn't have all of the skills I necessarily need and they're just helping me do a better job marginally at what I'm already doing. I think the, I think these systems like uh, like hey we've got the twelve steps we have an incubator it's good to take gyms from eh to good. 
I don't think it, I don't even think it gets him to good. I think it takes him from I know nothing to I know something. Something correct. Yeah, I agree. So let's just say like I think it's great start like as I would put it in marketing, it's starter fitness. Like it's the orange theory of um for a business owner, right? It gets them in the gym or gets them it gets them in the realm of business, gets them doing something smarter. They're gonna learn some stuff, but it's you're gonna top out there really quickly. And it's just the nature. Like I guess that's why and again, maybe I'm just it's just me with my own bias because I'm like, how can you do this in a like if I want to grow this as a business? Again, let's say Chris Cooper has I've heard him say he wants to help a million entrepreneurs. Well, if you have to systematize. You have to make this a system that's going to just the he has to create the McDonaldization of business help but in you know, order to help a million people. And, and you know that there, right? Because what happens is he can. McDonald's serves billions of people. McDonald's food. I don't want to be McDonald's. I don't want to. I don't want to mass produce our food in such a way that it it ends up having the nutrition value of McDonald's. Will it make you yeah. not hungry? Sure. Will it, will it allow you to survive this shit winter? Yeah, it might. Is it going to kill you over time? Yeah. Or, unless you get off of it when you finally created some space and you have the ability to do more. And I want to be clear. I'm talking about McDonald's when I say that. I'm talking about if Two Brain went all the way down the line of being the McDonald's level of scale. I'm not suggesting two brain is going to kill your business. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I just, I think like what I believe really separates us. If I'm really evaluating it to not even talk about anybody else to talk about us, I've this year alone turned down close to half a million dollars in business of gym owners coming in or coaches coming in saying, I want to work with you. And saying, I think you like the idea of having the results of what we provide for gyms who should work with us, but I think that the way that you would enjoy making it would be better served if you talk to Stu, if you talk to Chris Thorndike, and I make a referral to somebody else. And I don't, sure. I don't think most people are down to do that. It's a, it's a when when we have really lean months, and I'm thinking about five hundred thousand dollars that I send somewhere else. It fucking hurts. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. And it's, I also, uh, I, again, it just, I would get me always kind of like getting a suit off the rack versus taking it to a tailor is always the analogy I've always, I always use and I think about in my head, but it's just like, I think in this industry, in the fitness industry, cause it's so young. I, maybe I personally, and it's, and I, I obviously, um, I'm very lucky that I have the ability to do so. I just feel like you cannot help someone in the brick and mortar scene if your scope is narrow. Mm-hmm. So like, again, like when I like, Oh, I had a cross, if someone had a cross for six years, and they want to help gym owners. I think they could help a, a, a gym owners of a very specific style. But like, like I think breadth and depth is something like in any consultant, like when I hire a lawyer, when I hire someone, like when I get someone, I want someone who's like, I want to, I want to, I want to see the breadth and depth of work you've done, the different clients of my variety that you've helped and did this and the other thing. And I think that just, I, I get annoyed maybe when I see it. Cause I do know there's a lot of gyms that need help. And when I see guys like, okay, we came up with our 12 steps. We made all the videos, the content, we're going to enroll you in our e-course and you're going to get into the group call and we're going to help them. I'm just like, that's, I feel like that's just such a low level of service. And I, cause I do, I take a lot of pride in like my, this profession of helping businesses. I really do. Yeah. And I think it should be something that should be more hand spun, not mass produced, you know, one to many. You know, the thing is 
I didn't realize it when I was going through it. And I've heard you talk about the same thing because we have very similar backgrounds, right? I didn't realize working at a commercial gym would teach me so much about the business of fitness as it applies to a micro gym. I didn't yeah. realize that working at the gym where I accidentally sold a bag of steroids from behind the yeah, front yeah. desk to a member was going to be an experience that would teach me something when sure. I was doing it. I didn't realize that working in a chiropractic rehab clinic and then owning one would teach me about how to help gym owners. I didn't think that owning an event company and having to fill it, find venues, market it, get vendors, get, get sponsors, all that. Kind of, I didn't think that would help me with anything. But it, it's the breadth of that kind of stuff. It's, it's the variety of things at the depth with which they've been done that becomes the guiding light for what happens here. And you're, you're, you're nailing it when you say that. Yeah. And that's what like, and for you, and I know you've had this pain point when you work with a large group, you're doing one to many when you're working with a lot of these pro path chips. What do you mean by that? You, um, like you're not, it's not like, uh, like how many pro path gyms do you guys work with at any given time? Uh, let's say 65 or 70 right now, something like that. Correct. And and that means that it, Sean himself cannot just work with them. You I need don't to, work you with need, any of them. Yeah. So like you've got a team, it's more, you know, it, it's, you know, uh, it's definitely more, uh, you guys are able to take on and maybe, I don't know what the capacity is for that kind of thing, but because it's not, a, you know, a, a job, it's a business active life. Um, you guys are able to have that little, that scale. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. But what I do know ends up happening. All right, we're working with all these gyms. We've got a paradigm. We've got a belief. Well, at some point you course correct and you change that. And now you have to go to all the gyms you're working with and say, okay, guys, we were doing it one way. We're going to be switching things up and now we're doing it a little bit different way. And they believe you. They, they trust you. You've done right by them. So they go, okay, cool. We'll course correct with you. We, we, oh yeah, we see what you mean. Yeah. We're experiencing that problem. You're learning from them as well. Mm-hmm. And I just, that's the thing that is, it gets bigger and bigger gets harder and harder to do if you're a two brain and you've, this is the way we do it. And then like, there comes this little focus group. This like, like, actually, it's actually, that's not the right way. There's a small focus group that we have in our organ, our cohort. That's like, that's actually working the wrong way for them. Yeah. But if we have to rewrite all these SOPs and redo fucking everything, it's like the more people you help at once, that's why I say one, the many, the more you're financially not incentivized to course correct and change your fucking playbook when you find a better way to do it because of all the work that went into that one versus again, I look at advantage of me like a jet ski. I could zig and zag and bob and weave because I'm just working one-on-one. I don't hand a PDF to anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't have a fucking download for them. Like I literally had a guy, Hey, so do you have a blah, blah, blah template? Whatever. I'm like, no, you, I do not I have anything to send you. I will literally create them with you for mm-hmm. yours. I am not giving you a fucking membership contract that the gym in Illinois uses, mm-hmm. right? I'm not your lawyer. That's something you should fucking have. Now, here is a list of the stuff we want to have in a membership contract. And let me ask you specifically, like, do you want a 3% annual increase in your membership rates? Do you want a 30 day cancellation? Do you want this? Do you want that? And we'll put this thing together. Like, I guess that's just the other thing is the more gyms you help at once, when you do like, fuck, I got, we got to do this different. I definitely found a different way that takes time and effort to, to break it down. Like our guys, we were doing a, we're going to do Z now. So here, this is definitely better. Here, here's where I think, um, there's room for some of the rigidity that you're describing being a, 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 um, hamper. Cause it can be a hamper. I think it's, it's mostly something that slows down the, the effectiveness of a business when you're working in a space like CrossFit. 
Um, and the reason I say that is the uniqueness of CrossFit is the rugged individualism. I want to run my gym like this. I want to run my gym like this. I want to charge this. I want to charge this. I want personal training. I don't want personal training. I want PT first. I want PT second, whatever the fuck that means. Um, <laughs> I, I know what it means. Uh, if you're running a metabolic, the, no, you don't get to run it your way. Right? This is the way. You either want to run a business this way, and that's why you're enrolling in this franchise, or you don't want to be this franchise. And that's kind of, that's the path that we are going down now at Active Life without franchising it. The idea of this is the playbook. If you tell us you don't want to run this playbook before we take you on, we won't take you on and then try to convince you to run this playbook. Correct. Like, but you, even like Metabolic, they they change their operating system to this, that, or the other thing. And now it has to go from the mothership and get downloaded into mm-hmm. all the other locations. And it just, those changes become slower. Yes. They become less efficient. And then they eventually, they get looked at as a, from a PL standpoint. I don't care who the organization is. If you have big changes, like, fuck, this isn't the best way to do it. Yeah. But we just had everyone de- Everyone now just has MindBody. We just told them MindBody was the company to go with that's going to help us do our thing. And now we realize that GlowFox is the company or PushPress is the company we need to go with. And so it's just like it's one of these things where it's like the bigger, the more people you help, whether it's through your franchisees, your licensees, or you're in a consulting role like what I am, the more people you help on scale – the harder it is when you got to start making changes, especially if you have a system. And I guess like, that's where I feel like I'm running around fucking, I get to be free as a bird because I don't have a system. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, It takes the way to the way I believe it needs to be done when you have the kind of uh, scale that we would like to be at and still deliver a super high level quality is it takes longer to roll it out because you test the shit out of it. In mm-hmm. in small groups, sure, who yep. are prepared to be the beta for it, and then you're like, all right, it works. Everybody, here we go. This is what it is. Um, and I think that the key there is earning and keeping the trust of the clients who are working with you by being in their lives, by knowing what they're going through on a regular basis, by having that high touch point. Otherwise they're like, oh fuck you, man! Another change. You don't even know anything yeah. about our locale. Yeah, that's it. Like, especially when an organization, and there's so many changes. And sometimes I think changes come from a business who didn't take the time to really think things through. And so they're making all these changes quick. And sometimes it just comes from that's unfortunately uh, the industry that you've chosen is on a very fast time warp trajectory where things are changing mm-hmm. very quickly in that industry. And the fitness industry has seen that. Well, something I've, so, heard, something I've heard you say that I, I, agree with sometimes and that that we actually went against recently is done for you. Marketing is bullshit because what, like what, what does that mean done for you? Like your gym is different than this gym is different than this gym is different than this gym. And I started thinking about that from a perspective of, but what if they aren't all different? Like metabolic can put the same marketing out to all of the metabolics and say, this is going to be effective. Just change the name of the city. Right. Yeah. So, so so Mary on our team, built a like 140 page long done for you marketing cycle. That's like a 90 day long cycle. that's meant to rinse and repeat. And then there are elements of it that are, you know, add this on, take this out, add this on, take this out, put your, that kind of work. And I think that the, the thing that you're right about is if we were mentoring CrossFit gyms or if we were mentoring hits, if we were doing what you're doing, we 
can't give them all the same marketing template because they're running wildly different businesses, even if they're Correct. within the same fitness methodology. Correct. Which is one of the reasons why we made the change that we made to say, look, if you, if you don't want to run this model by the time you know, it's over, we can't help you. Yeah, and 100%. And what we're talking about, you can systemize traffic buying. That part is a lot easier. It's the messaging, like you said, the nuance of the messaging based on the gym, mm-hmm. based on the offer, which is why everyone's got to like, again, you're, do, you're doing licenses, franchise-like type work without the, the, the headache necessarily, because everyone's going to be following in a very similar line, which allows you to, to provide some marketing that is, can be done for you because you mm-hmm. know exactly what it is. Yep. But for the average shop, like, yeah, you're right. Those guys are like, oh, any gym, we got the done for you market. I'm like, eat a dick. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have it you're just preying on some gym owner who's in a financial place like a really sensitive financial place right well, now really emotional feels trapped and you're I'll, taking I'll, advantage i'll of tell that. you what i saw and then i'll, I'll get to a, a final question because i kept you over already when i saw during the pandemic that really pissed me off was gym mentoring companies that led with fear that kind of were like is your gym going to survive here's what you need to do to make sure your gym doesn't die here's you know yeah. we you know all of this and i I know the same people that these people know. And we had conversations behind the scenes where they, they would ask me, how's active life doing? I'm like, we're doing well. Our gyms are doing well. We're doing well. And they're like, yeah, I was talking to this other person whose name I definitely won't mention. Cause this is not positive for them. Um, yeah, I talked to this person. He was like, yeah, we're doing great. Uh, our clients are getting their ass kicked, but you know, we're doing great. I'm like, how do you fucking stay friends with that person? That to to me, that's that I would not sleep at night if we were growing as a company and our clients were getting their asses kicked. So I think, I think that's, I think that's another, another area where it's good. I also thought just the the big, the the thing that the elephant in the room on that one for me was like, okay, we're going to help you out, like help you survive the pandemic. Cause like, how? You've mm-hmm. never been in a pandemic. You'd have no idea. Like you're literally, if they, if marketing company came and said, listen, we're building the plane as we fly it. And mm-hmm. they came out with like that leading with that. I would be very, I would be very interested in that. But everyone came out like, oh yeah, we've got this covered. Don't you worry. Like, bro, are you, are you getting a news station that I'm not getting? Are mm-hmm. you, do you have information that I don't fucking have? And no, you have the exact same information as me. And as the gym owner, like the gym owner for once has the exact same amount of information as the marketing company that's going to guru them up. And um, anyway, it did. Yeah. That, that frustrated the shit out of me too. Mm-hmm. So my last question for you, Stu is a gym owner is listening to this or a prospective gym owner is listening to this. How should yeah. they decide if they should reach out to you? Um, I tell people like, so there's no, you can, I mean, reaching that, like reach out, like send an email, like whatever. Hit no, me cause, 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 cause if they send you an email or a DM and they're like, Hey, this is the problem in my gym. What should I do? You're going to tell them book a call and pay for it. Not that, not that you wouldn't yeah. help somebody for free, but it's, sure. I have this complex problem. I need a solution. What, what do you recommend? You're like, uh, context, book I, a call. I, yeah. I, I, I'd say, you know, again, I always ask them like, how much am I like, uh, first off, I need to make sure you understand what you're getting into bed. Like me, I want you to get a good feel for me. Cause it is, you're going to work with me. Have, have you watched my stuff? And dude, I've been, lo- I've been listening, watching for years. I feel so much better about that. Mm-hmm. And, and because generally that person, the reason maybe they, and I always ask like, well, so why did, why now, why did we get on the call today? 
So honestly, you know, I've, through your content and other people's content, I've been able to problem solve on my own. Now this is a problem I'm not able to problem solve on my own. I'm like, okay, it's a great reason, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. And now you know, kind of, we had, there's an understanding, like we know each other, quote unquote, kind of. Um, but to, to go to your question, you know, um, I, uh, I, I, that's the other thing too, is I generally want to work with people who, who have a problem that's beyond Googling it. Like I, that's what, that's the reason I created micro gym university originally. I, again, I, I only want to do 40 calls a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. 40 calls. All right. That's 20 hours of calls. Okay? I do half hour calls. Um, the initial calls an hour, but like, I, I know, I know what I want my work life balance to be. I do not want to get on these calls and tell you an answer no, like the very simple stuff anymore. I did in the beginning, not anymore. And that content's out there. It's not just my content. It's other people's content. So I see someone's like, oh yeah, yeah. I just want to, I haven't done any research. I haven't tried to solve the problem myself. I don't think it's probably the best fit or the utilization of your time and money for us to jump on right now. If you just have, if you just like, no, I just, but I need speed. You're right. I haven't tried to fix it myself, but I don't have the time. It's a sense of urgency thing. Um, then, then that's maybe a little bit different. But I, I generally want to see that someone's tried the problem solve because I don't want to be with you forever. Mm-hmm. I want to solve big problems. But I like my owners that I, I get to work with recurrently. Like, you know, I might get on a call with them one quarter or twice a year or something like that. I like knowing that they're problem solving good. Like, I want them to hit me up like, dude, you'd love my fuck the play I pulled out of my ass on this one. This problem happened and I solved it like this. I was like, fuck, bro. That's, that's great. I'm going to write that shit yeah, down. Like, that's a that. great play. That's what I want. Cause these guys are my, I want them to be like my colleagues. Like I love when they hit me up and they drop in the town. Mm-hmm. I haven't worked with them. And it's so weird. Like, oh, oh, is this one of your clients? I'm like, mm, you, yeah, we've worked together. He's not currently a client. He currently doesn't have a stew level problem. Mm-hmm. He's also pretty fucking smart. Now he solves his own shit. He can wipe his own ass. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Stu, I appreciate you coming on. Where can people find you? Uh, guys, check out WTF Gym Talk. You can also check out the Gym Real Estate Company as well, Gym Real Estate Co. And um, yeah, Sean, this is always fun, man. I'm always down the pop on the phone and uh, on the Zoom machine and, and chat it up with you, dude. You're also down to send me a fucking thesis as a voice memo. <laughs> Talk to yes, you, man. Yes. All right, brother. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Active Life. Remember, if you feel inspired by our vision to humanize the healthcare industry, professionalize the fitness industry, and empower individuals to live their lives, to reclaim their physical freedom, to develop careers, helping people reclaim their physical freedom, all you need to do is head to activelifeprofessional.com, find the appropriate link that represents you, and get in contact. We'll see you there. Jump up.